Welcome to Eventually Super Train, episode 113. I'm your host, Dan. How are you, everyone? I hope you're well. Eventually Super Train is a short-lived TV show podcast covering TV shows that never got enough love. Eventually, we will, we will, we will cover Super Train. Right now, we are covering Search with Mitchell Hadley. Apes, Planet of the Apes, that is, the live-action Planet of the Apes with Amy the Conqueror. And Kolchak, Night Stalker. With Tim S. Turner, consider uh, each of these segments to be consider the show to be an umbrella, and each of these segments is an individual podcast, three individual podcasts running within the same episode of this show. Does that make any sense? I don't know. I'll stop saying that, but I like that. I like that concept. That's why I keep saying it. So, we're to begin with search. We are. I don't even remember where we are. I think we're on episode like fourteen or something like that. Don't quote me. And then Planet of the Apes, we are on, we're on episode 12. We are very near the end. And Kolchak, we are on 5. So there you have it. All of them in the 70s, by the way. And all of them not too far from one another year-wise. I didn't mean for that to happen. Sometimes that just happens. So um, listen to a little bit of search theme. And uh, Mitchell and myself will be on the other end. And I will see you at the end of this whole shebangy. Talk to you then. Episode 14, The 24 Carat Hit, aired January 24th, 1973, written by Jack the Turles Turley, directed by Russ Mayberry. This is a Bianco one, uh, Tony Franciosa. This, I believe, is the first appearance of the um, secondary probe control room, the brightly lit one, which we'll talk about a lot, so I won't go crazy here. But in this one, basically... It begins with a, a probe agent, Ed Bain, who has a um, wife and daughter, uh, tracking down some gold smugglers. Uh, they kidnap his wife and daughter, kill his wife, and um, uh, go, sort of go on the run with his daughter. They're trying to get a bunch of gold out of the country, something like that. Ed is shot while trying to, um, in the arm, while tr- I believe in the arm, while trying to uh, stop the bad guys. So he goes off in search of them, and Bianco, um, sort of with Cam's um, blessing more or less, goes off after Bane, trying to find out where he is, and then trying to find out where the daughter is, and also find the gold and this, that, and all the other things. And um, it's, um, It all takes place at night. But we'll talk about that as we go. We'll also, like I said, we will talk about this new control room. But let me give you a little blast, probably Elder Queen blast, and uh, Mitchell and I are on the other side. Episode 14, the 24 karat hit. This is Bianco episode, as you know from the um, from my little plot breakdown. This is also a Hadley 
and we've got here Mr. Mitchell Hadley. Mitchell, how are you, sir? I am very well. How are you, Dan, my boy? I'm doing okay. Doing okay. I'm um, good. Here, th- th- this is an interesting episode, I think, um, uh, for several reasons. Uh, one of which we'll probably talk about very quickly, which I did not mention in the um, in the in the breakdown. But let's let's just so. Uh, what did you think of this one? Well, I think inter- interesting is a good description for it. I was um, sitting here thinking while we were getting ready to go on that it seems like I'm often using the word interesting to describe an episode. And I was thinking, is there some other word I can use to start off this one? But no, huh. I think yeah. I think interesting is a good one. And I suppose <laughs> the first thing I would start off with is the new set. Yes, yes, that's that's what I did not mention, if you'd like to, to discuss the new set. Well, you know, it reminds me, for those of you out there who are fans of Mystery Science Theater 3000, mm-hmm. this kind of reminds me of Probe having been located in Gizmonics Institute, yeah. <laughs> but yes. now they're down in Deep 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like they're in the basement. This does and, have a basement feel to it. Yeah, yes. and, and it from a from an aesthetic viewpoint, from the viewpoint of the viewer, it's much less impressive yeah. than than the old set, and it it feels almost as if if this were a if this show were linear, this series, mm-hmm. so that it was telling some kind of an overarching arc, it would feel as if they had just begun an apocalyptic storyline and they oh. had to move to a remote location in order mm. to be able to continue yes. and um it doesn't it doesn't affect the episode it doesn't affect your enjoyment of it but if you're looking at it and if those things matter it makes it less high tech less mm-hmm. sci-fi like and mm-hmm. it it just makes it seem <clears throat> a little a little like I would have expected better from a company that has that yes. kind of building. I will. I will say just one thing it reminded me of that. that, that I sorry to interrupt, but it remind it, it reminded me of um. Uh, they always say that RuPaul's Drag Race first season was shot in RuPaul's garage. I always <laughs> imagine this to be like a corner of Burgess Meredith's garage. <laughs> That's why they can't move the camera. The camera sits in one place and points at one spot. It, 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 there's no there's no there's no variety to the movement the camera doesn't go around it we'll talk about i'll talk about it's this a security more, camera exactly exa- it's it's, it's, it's yeah. almost it's almost like a camera yeah a security camera just stuck in the corner where you can see everybody and occasionally it'll move a little here and there i think in a couple episodes it may crane over the top of everyone a little bit but here it's just looking right at them and it feels odd but i'll let you keep going well, I think, you know, that really hits the highlight of it. We get to see a couple of the people in control besides Cameron, but it we don't get to see the number of people that we had before where you have the feeling that the probe agent had an entire team backing him up. And now it's more like Cam and a couple of people, and they're very good. Yeah. They do what they do well, and you can hear so occasionally they're talking about shouting out some orders to other people that must mm-hmm. be in the background. But again, it diminishes the overall effect, I think. It doesn't yeah. impact 
the story. We don't get the feeling that they've had to cut costs, and because of that, they can't provide the kind of support to their agents. Mm-hmm. Although maybe not. I'm, I'm in another episode. Maybe we'll bring that up. But it does feel. It just feels kind of cheesy. Chintzy. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Now, having said that, I think that. This is an interesting episode for other reasons, too. We actually get to meet another probe agent who has a name, who has something of a background. He's not just a character who gets killed in the first minute or Mm -hmm. goes missing and the storyline revolves around him, but we don't see him. He plays a pivotal role in this. Uh, Ed Bain, and I have to keep reminding myself it's not Ed McBain. Yes. Ed Bain, who's played by Dane Clark, who is a fine actor, but on occasion, as we see in this episode, he plays the role as if he's coming from the Harry Gardino school of overacting, because he's really chewing the scenery in in this one, and... Um, especially considering that early on he has bad things happen to him and then he gets shot. Mm -hmm. And we're led to believe that he's possibly on the verge of bleeding out Mm -hmm. if he doesn't be careful. And yet he still manages to overact. It's remarkable, I I tell you. (laughs) I I don't know what kind of motivation he was using to do this role, but it's really quite admirable in Mm -hmm. its own way. Yes, yeah. Um. I, uh, I I think one of the things I, I I love about the episode is that it it takes place all at night, and I think it takes place I don't know exactly how long it takes place over, but I would say probably no more than like six hours. Yeah, I I, so. I think you're right because there's a point near the end I think where they're saying something like um, a boat leaves at like five or six a.m. and it's like forty five minutes till then, and um, somehow I'm guessing in the beginning I'm thinking it's, it's like nine or ten. And then probably go to like five in the morning or something like that. But it's it's always dark, which I really like. Which contrasts because every time they go to the new search control room, <laughs> it's suddenly like we're in the middle of the day. And the framing is sometimes off. Did you notice that? Like there are yes. some shots where it'll cut back to them. And you have the woman in the foreground. She's framed very nicely. You can see the guy way behind Cam. But mm-hmm. then sometimes they cut off the top of Burgess Meredith's head. Which is not a good look. Which is not a good look. And it's not like these were like... You know, like say, say like Battlestar Galactica, where they would shoot them in one three three and one eight five for possible like overseas theatrical. Mm-hmm. This this was not going for overseas theatrical, so that's just strange framing. Um, and 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 may, you could have just lifted the camera up slightly. You know, yeah. you, you've got the lady in the foreground framed nicely, but just lift it like an inch. And just you know, don't cut off the top of his. He, he looks goofy. It looks well, it looks wrong. It looks like the aspect ratio is wrong, but it's not. Yeah. And and the other thing too is that being in a uh, in a room that's as bright as this new control center is, it makes him look a little more like he's wearing a toupee. It sure does. His yeah. hair was much more natural before, yes. and I have the feeling, looking at his uh, picture in the credits in the opening credits, that he's changed his hairstyle a little bit too. Ooh, but it yeah. just looks like a more obvious rug. <laughs> And, and I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> and shouldn't it be darker in there also? I mean, I know I um I'm just I'm just trying to think with like I, I don't 
uh, TV circa 1972, I'm not, um, I'm not so proficient on, but I know like when you had your TVs in like the fifties and like the early sixties and stuff, sort of, if you had a little darker, it was better. And, but mm-hmm. I don't know if that, I don't know if that still holds true, but it would seem like if they have all those monitors to look at, having so many bright lights around them might yeah. get in the way. Yeah. I, um, so I'm, I'm giving a thumbs down on the new look, but I'm giving a thumbs up on the fact that the story does take place at night. We'll set aside the fact that a dark control room would have added, would have made it a brilliant noirish atmosphere. Um, As far as the story itself is concerned, I would like to know the rest of the story. There's probably screws up big time in this one because uh, I don't think we'd be giving away the the gist of the story that that Dane Clark's wife gets killed and his daughter gets kidnapped and it's because they pulled they knew this could be possible he's undercover he's going after these bad guys obviously his family would be a risk because if the bad guys got his family it would allow them to blackmail him Mm -hmm. but that's exactly what happens and And we we do hear Cam offer the suggestion, which I guess later turns out to be a fact, that that it was a mistake. The agents were pulled off. I'd like to know the rest of the story there. Yes. Was it, 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 it certainly suggests to me, and it would have made a very interesting story. It would have followed up on one of our previous stories where you had the, the feeling that there was a mole involved yes. in control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that that just sounds like the kind of thing that that shouldn't be happening. And I would have loved to have seen a brief scene with Cam and the director and, and a couple of underlings in the office and see his reaction yes. when they say, "You made a mistake," you know, yeah. because that's 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 completely inexcusable. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, you, uh, for uh, and and I kind of wished in a way that there was more to it than that. Yes, and it's 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 so frustrating too because it's like our three main guys, as far as we know, they don't have loved ones, or I mean, they they probably do, but they don't have wives and children. Right. And so, if Search is going to bring bring a probe on board who they know has a wife and child, and he's doing something as dangerous as this, no, 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 no. I think I think like. Um, Bianco yells at him at one point, like, "What's more important than protecting, you know, the family of one of one of our agents?" Yeah, and and it's it's such a it's such a weird thing. And you, you're right. I would. It's it's funny because this is a this is one of those episodes where you sort of you have to let you have to roll with that, and you just have to kind of because Cam is so apologetic. But there's the great, the great point I love where Bianco because he doesn't want to be on his scanner and alert. Um, Ed McBain there to it and so he calls on the payphone to Cam and Cam's yes. blustering at him what are you doing calling on a payphone da, 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 da. And, and he says well I don't think I don't think me doing this is as bad as you know you calling off the guards mm-hmm. on his house and he's like how long are you going to remind me of that until we until he and his family are safe yep and and it's perfect. Yep, that's exactly it, what I it do. It is perfect, and it and and it's it's so Bianco to do it. Yes, that yes. way. Now, now I think that it's uh, it's true that if um, if Lockwood had been in this episode, he would have said it his way. He would have gotten mm-hmm. the same message across. Yes, them, but yes. Anyway, yeah. that that so that's a, that's a disaster. But yeah. But, and- 
Oh, sorry. No, no, I. <laughs> you just kind of have to sputter after that. Yeah, it's it's true. And the the other interesting thing about the story too is that I've I've watched this episode probably I watched it twice for this, and I probably watched it at least three more times over the over the last seven or eight years. And the twenty four carat hit, I know there's gold involved, but I still have no idea what it is the bad guys are doing. And I realize, I think, I mean, maybe you do. Maybe you have the the whole their whole plot down. I know they're up to something. They're smuggling something out, I think, and they stop I think them. They are smuggling gold, but they, they compacted in that um, that that uh, car that's going through the trash compactor yes. at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't know the, the why, wherefore. And it's 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 funny because I was trying to figure out the second time I watched it this afternoon. I was trying to figure it out, and then I thought. If you actually look at the episode, what what is it about? And this could this could be why it's in a different room. It's not Bianco's case; it's someone else's case. Yeah. So so maybe maybe when this case started, they didn't think it was quite as big as they thought. So they're using the other control room. Maybe that that was my justification for why they're in a different room I'll because buy that. Th- this isn't Bianco's case if it was his case it was his case from beginning to end it would be in the big room because that's where you put Bianco that's where you put Lockwood and we're bringing Grover into that too mm-hmm. but this is a guy maybe who who um he's he's a little older he's he's maybe uh um you know I, maybe this was a case that started off much simpler and became bigger and this is just the room they use for it and it hasn't gone to the big room that's my justification for it because when Bianco takes over Bianco never really takes over per se because the other guy won't stop you know, you know it's like okay yeah. you know it's like if you're if you're if you're it'd be like if you were running a relay race and like the guy wouldn't let go of the 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 stick and kept running alongside with yep. you and you're like no you gotta stop you gotta stop no no I'm gonna go I'm gonna win this race well, you can't <laughs> you, you were supposed to stop back there and 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 so, I, to me, that's my justification for why this in this room because I think we've we talked before that there must be more than one room. Mm-hmm. So, so this is the room he's in for this case, and Cam just happens to be on this one, and um, and Bianco just happens to be there because he's a friend. Bane's a friend, and so it doesn't leave the room because that's the room they're in, and it takes place over six hours, and they're not going to move everyone to another room. I'll so buy that's, that. that's my justification. Now, I may have a tough, tougher time justifying it as we continue through the series, but in this one, that's how I'm justifying it because it's all it's Bane's case and Bianco is helping. And this is maybe this was Bane's favorite room. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know. But it, it does really feel like they, um, and we'll talk about this maybe in an episode or two um, when they're still using this room. I'll, I'll throw up my theory for what happened. But it, it really does sort of feel like they, like, um, like they maybe they used an entire soundstage or something for that first set, and then there was a budget cut, and they said, "Well, we're we're bringing down the like, like in a hotel if you go to a convention mm-hmm. or something, yep. you know they have those big walls that block off portions of the conference room. It's almost like one day they just dragged that in and said, "Stick your set in this half. We're doing something else over here." It's like, oh come on, guys, and, and, and that's almost what it feels like to me the way they're crowded in the corner. Because there's yeah. no sense of space, there's no sense of levels, there's no sense of there's no sense of even what they're looking at, really. They're just looking no. off camera. Um, we're we're not going to complain forever about that, folks. You get <laughs> you get used to it after a while. And like I said, if you can base this episode on the fact that it's not technically the probe case is not one of our three main guys, and they have to have a second room at least, 
But I think it's because, you know, at the, from the beginning of the series, we've made such a big deal about those details yes. and how much it adds to the enjoyment of the series. And so I think it's natural that you would... When you lose it. Look at, yeah, especially when it's so dramatic. I mean, why not just paint all the walls red and hang velvet drapes from them? It's, it's yeah. that jarring a difference from the previous one. It does, it does really feel like it's... um like a basement they're going to they're going to clear all the computer equipment out at the end of the shooting day mm-hmm. and yep. shoot like a uh, like a serial killer using that as a kill room or something like that for a TV yeah. movie or well, something. We'll see if Dr. Forrester turns up. Yeah, we'll see. That would be great. That would be great to see. Him. <laughs> um uh so um so 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 I think I think so when I tried to figure out exactly what the bad guys are doing, I suddenly realized that it doesn't matter. It's all MacGuffin because the episode is about Bianco trying to yeah. save save this guy and the daughter. That's a really so, good point. So that's it a, doesn't, you know, it's an outstanding example of a MacGuffin. And it's perfect because you sit there the whole time, and I, th- I think they, they they do it with the title too, the twenty four carat hit. Well, what does that have to do? You know, that's that doesn't really have the hit, the hit. Who got hit? I mean, Bane got shot, but he didn't get shot because. He was stealing gold or anything, you know. Does it? Because the title makes you think, "Oh, those guys are stealing gold." Even when you spend most of the episode thinking, "What are these guys doing?" the the title kind of says it. Mm-hmm. But the, the the episode really is Bianco trying to catch up to Bane, who is in who has been wounded, and who is bleeding out very slowly. I mean, this isn't this isn't Reservoir Dogs. He's he hasn't been shot in the stomach, and he's on a floor in a warehouse somewhere. No, this is a much calmer version of that. Kinder, kinder and gentler. Kinder, gentler. Yeah, Yeah. kinder, gentler. (laughs) Um, But but this is but and so if if you if if someone listening wants to figure out exactly what the bad guys are up to, please do. But I honestly don't. After having watched it five or six times, I don't think it matters. What they're up to. We know who the bad guys are. One of them is the great, uh, late great William Smith, and a couple other, and another big guy, and a guy with a mustache. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter what they're up to. It simply matters that they're the bad guys, and they have Bane's daughter, and we have to save her. And so even when they're when they're having the big fight in the warehouse at the end, I couldn't remember why they were in the warehouse. I couldn't remember what they were, what was going on. All I knew was that. You had to stop. You had to get the daughter out to get her to safety and get Bane to a hospital. And in the end, that's um, I think that's all. That's slightly daring um, uh, <laughs> storytelling for a TV show in 1972, where where a lot of times you get you know people people. Um, sometimes there have been um, uh, complaints like I don't know if quite modern day storytelling because now they tend to tell stories like this over like this would be like a, a Netflix show would take six hours to yeah. tell this story real time um, yes 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 and well that might be interesting actually a real time might be interesting I don't know if I'd watch it but it might be interesting um, but but you used to in the seventies sort of stories being more like um um. I don't want to say making more sense, but like if something happens, you know why it's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna th- this isn't modern at all, but say like something like Miami Vice, where sometimes in Miami Vice that you'd be watching, going, "What's going on? What's where do we go now?" Kind of thing. And and but with something like Search, it's meant to be so. It's meant to be like we're supposed to be following it, following it, it it strongly, following it well, following it good. Um, but and if we're not. Then my, I tend to think, you know, like a- a- Amy the Conqueror and I, when we talk about Planet of the Apes, 
we've had times where we're sitting there going, wait a minute, why is this happening? And then we realize it doesn't matter. It's about humans and apes and fighting and horseback riding and, sh- and craziness with apes. It, do- it doesn't. Sometimes it sometimes it doesn't matter what the bad guys are up to. They're simply bad guys. And that's all we need to know. And that's all we need to know. So mm-hmm. I think this episode does a really sweet job of that. Agreed. Um, although, although I will say when when Bane clobbers um, a Bianco near the end when they're in this sleazy little hotel room, yes. at, that, at, that, at that point I'm thinking, really? It's been like four hours that he's been bleeding out. I, I really, I think that, that, one, that one was a mix of could he have physically done that? And Bane, calm down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bianco has done more for you in three hours than you have done, like in months. Uh, well, you know, so, so and let it ride. Here's my take on that scene too. Um, you know, you go back to when when um, Bianco calls in on the payphone, and uh, and Cam is uh, calling a payphone, but. You notice when Bianco is on his way up to the hotel room in the sleazy place where where um, Bane is being held, there's a payphone in the hallway. And at first, I thought, well, this is perfect. He's going to call them again from a payphone oh, because yeah. he's establishing this payphone MO is how he's yes. keeping in touch with them. Now, what he should have done which is always easy to say in retrospect because uh, the hindsight <laughs> because we're not search point. agents, right. we're, we're just a bunch but of jerks talking about him. <laughs> having had such a hard time tracking Bane down and yes. getting him to cool it, what what he should have done once he found out that Bane was in that room, he should have gone back out, used the phone called Cameron, had them send an ambulance to take him back to the hospital, mm. and left him tied up until then. Yes, yes. Now, yeah. and, and, and that's the one note that seems to me to be kind of a plot contrivance, because Bianco, of all of the agents, is the most street savvy. Yes. That's where his environment is. Mm. And I have a hard time with the idea that he would have been naive enough to put himself into a into a situation like that where he exposes his his rear flank to being mm-hmm. clonked on Clobber. the head <laughs> yeah and 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 he escapes i would think he would have said oh no i'm not going to let you go this time yeah. and just left him tied up nothing's going to happen to you they'll be here in a few minutes you know the kind of clout that the cam has got when he can call them directly and yes. and it would have so from there he goes to the ship he rescues the daughter and the last scene we have is the daughter being reunited with the father who's in the hospital room and they're assuring her that he's going to be okay and the two of them agree that all they have left is each other and everybody lives happily ever after Mm -hmm. that would have I think it would have been a better finish now it when you've got a when you've got a guest star like Dane Clark, maybe you don't do something like that. Maybe you have to allow him to be in on yeah. the denouement. But from a purely logical standpoint, and we know that television is nothing if not completely, <laughs> absolutely, log- yeah, logical. Um, <laughs> that is how it should have gone. Does it ruin the episode? Do you sit around brooding about it afterwards? No. It's a it's a fun episode. It's a it's a fairly tight 
story and it, it works yeah. and and it works on several levels and the fact that the fact that once again um we have a situation where bianco has a personal connection to this yes, case that's just nice. like he did but previously it doesn't overwhelm the case bianco isn't so tied up with the personal side of it that he doesn't remember to complete the mission maybe maybe yeah. a little more than usual but mm-hmm. he's a professional yes and yeah and it 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 works it's an it's a it's an interesting episode for the reasons we've talked about and it's mm-hmm. an entertaining episode yes Yes, and what, once you can once you can get past the what the heck happened to the the, the probe <laughs> control room, it actually the fact that it's all at night, it's I think it's sharply edited and moves mm. pretty quick. Um, I think the opening scene in that junkyard, I would love it. The uh, like I've said before on here, the DVDs look nice, but they were in high def when they were on Warner Archive. I would have loved to have seen that scene in the junkyard a little yeah. sharper because that looks really like like they, they got like cranes or helicopters or something swooping over it as like Bane is running along the you know broken up cars and things like that. But it's 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 I, I would love to see it a little sharper. Yes, because because it's it really it really it the great thing about it is it really has the feel like like normally in an episode of Search we see the beginning. This we're seeing the very end. Yeah. We're seeing the ver- we're seeing the last say six hours of a month, two months, something. I don't know. Um, maybe a week. I don't know. But we're seeing we're seeing the very end of something that's been going on for quite some time. And there's something about that opening in the junkyard with the camera swooping over everything and going here and there that has kind of a, a almost cinematic feel to it. Yeah, that's I've pretty enjoyed. cool. I've enjoyed episodic television that does that every once in a while. It's like it's, check we, it up. we now join uh, Search already in already progress. Already in progress. Yes, and, like this is episode three. Yeah. But there's no one and two. Like, like cliffhangers. Uh, but, yes, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's, it's, a, it's a situation where the viewer, not, not so much in this one as in some other shows where I've seen them do this, but the viewer has to try to piece things together because they're yes. not going to tell you everything all at once. Yes. And as you point out, we never really do get a complete picture of the uh, the plot, and as you said, it's because it's the MacGuffin. But I I like that. I like that. Yeah. And you, if you don't overdo it, something like that can be really effective. Mm-hmm. And it just occurred to me too. One of the things we talked about was that it would be it would be, 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 be I suddenly became Porky Pig. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, if <laughs> If we talked about how fun it would be if there were like in future seasons if they had done like multiple part stories where like the first one ends with Lockwood in danger so they call up Bianco and he's the yes. star of the second one. Mm-hmm. This is almost like that. It is, but like if Bane had had episode one and then he becomes sort of secondary as Bianco takes over episode two. Yes, that would have been that would have been an outstanding. If they tried Concept. that, could you imagine? Yeah, could you th- like like if Lockwood was in the first episode and then it ended with him like uh, like being shot or, or or something like that? No, 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 he's in danger. And then we saw Bianco was there, just sort of hanging around, watching, and like I'll take care of it to be continued. But I don't it's like fun. That. It, it's it's. I mean, it's fun that Bane's in it. I mean, um, uh, because you know we we. 
you know, he, he maybe should calm down a little. But we understand, though. I mean, I, I will say, and then we'll wrap it up. I, one of the one of the, the wacky things, well, maybe it's not wacky, is the moment where um, uh, they they the bad guys don't mean to kill the wife. That's some kind of accident. Yeah. So, because the bad guys are like, okay, here's what we're going to do. You forget all about us, and we'll let your daughter and your, your wife go out in the front lawn, and everything will be fine. He's like, okay. All right, let me let me let me talk to him. Okay, and he's like, and the bad guy's on the phone. He's like, hey, uh, Rondo, I don't know what the guy's name was. Um, yeah, did you got him there? And then you see the wife kind of like jump around and run off, scream, and then it cuts back to him with the fo- the bad guy with the phone, and you hear a scream and a shot, and the bad guy's like, um, that wasn't supposed to. Ha- now don't. <laughs> <laughs> like for a split second, you're like, you know, we're bad guys, but we didn't mean to do that. That was. <laughs> That was an accident. You well, know, apparently, part of my friend, shit happens yeah. sometimes. If it had been Reservoir Dogs, that yeah. guy would have gotten blown away by the boss just for general incompetence. Yes, 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 because he shows up later and you're like, you big jerk. Yeah. You big mm-hmm. jerk. You Because it's him doing that accidentally, I presume, yep. um, that causes William Smith to shoot Bane, that, that causes everything uh, to go wrong. But um, I, I think... I think. Oh, oh, we'll we'll stop talking about the. Do you have anything else? I just have one more thing. No, I um, I I thoroughly enjoyed the episode, warts and all. It's a yes, fun yes, episode. Exactly. Yeah, and I would just say it's always nice to see Mr. Peepers show up. <laughs> yes. In a an episode great cameo. Yeah. Wally Cox has a great <laughs> moment where he's the priest at a mission, and um, and Bianco shows up there and helps him serve the homeless guys um some food. And um, and I liked Wally Cox in it because he's not like um, he's uh, he's not um, an overly pious guy in a mission, you know, who's sort of like the guys they have to sing for their supper. He's like, come on, they sing, I give them some food, we mm-hmm. hang out, you know. He's and, very and pragmatic. A, yes, he's very pragmatic. And there is the thing too where they say something like um, they hold up a sign that says, "Okay, the rooms." Um, you get the rooms at like 7.48 a.m. or yes. something like uh-huh. that, the rooms, which leads me to believe it's probably, I don't know what time stuff like this happens at missions. Is this midnight? Is this 1 a.m.? I, I don't know um, when stuff like this happens, but presumably there were beds, and these are the guys that couldn't get beds, but they'll hopefully get beds maybe tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, so so saying like when he holds up, holds up to 7.45, it's not like, oh, my gosh, when is that going to be? That's probably like six, seven hours. Mm-hmm. From now, the guys the guys will probably hang out in the little chapel area there, yep. maybe hopefully, and and he'll he'll you know keep him keep you know maybe take a break for him every now and then. We're gonna do one thirty four. Here we go, and you know like and just the, a little like water. the guys on the dock sitting around waiting for yes. assignments. Yeah, exactly, exactly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that and that's a, so so that's a nice that's a nice scene to see because I I like the two the two of them have and they're such. <laughs> You know, Tony Francioso, you just think of him running around, punching people, you know, or, or you know, people of a certain age, think of him in Dario Argento's Tenebrae, and, you know, just think of him as a tough guy. And then you see Wally Cox, <laughs> you know, and you think Mr. Peepers and that kind of thing. And Mr. Peepers, it's a fun show, folks. There aren't a lot of episodes around because they were all live, but there are some available to watch. And it's a fun, charming... It, it's worth 50. watching. It's definitely worth watching. It's, it's very much... Some of those 50 sitcoms, some 50 sitcoms look exactly like <laughs> sitcoms through the years, but some of them are a little different. And Mr. Peepers is a little different. 
I think, which is um, which is why why it's fun. But it's fun to see when it was when he shows up. It's like oh, fun. and they they have such a nice scene together. They do, and they do, and then what, and then when he when Bianca holds up like a twenty or something at the end. And he's like, "Here you go, brother. Right there, brother." And he says, "Right on, brother." And he yeah. puts it in there. And they go, and it's, it's like, you know, they're not they're not particularly hip, but neither am I. So that was that was a great that was a lovely moment. So, uh, so let's uh, so I'll stop here because we could talk uh, uh, more about it. But let's let's stop here, Mitchell. Where can we find you online? Um, you can look me up at itsabouttv.com. I've got links to um, other uh, places where you can find me, including this very show. And uh, join me for some fun discussion about classic television. Always a good time. Uh, And uh, so, well, let's wrap it up here. Let's let's hop on to whatever's next. Um, I think, I've said this before, but I think Amy and I are about to go ape. Episode 12, The Cure, directed by Bernard McVitie, written by Edward J. Lasco, November 29, 1974. Uh, In this one, the gang winds up at a village where there has been an outbreak of malaria, and they try to help the very wary apes to try to find a cure before everybody dies, including apes. This one has some Zaius, this one has some Urko, this one has sweaty humans and Sandra Locke. So uh, let me uh, let me play a little burst of music and Amy and I are on the other side. Amy the Conqueror, where are you? The Cure. And before I go any, any further, any farther, any further farther into this discussion, I'm going to ask my guest host, my Planet of the Apes, my Ape Chat host. She, she's not my guest host. She's the, the, the host with me on, on Ape Chat. Um, uh, Amy the Conqueror, what is your favorite Cure album? Oh, Disintegration. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah mine too. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That, well, that's the uh, you know, it's a great album. It's a it great is. album, everyone. You should you should listen. It's got great. Oh, it's beautiful. beautiful. I mean, it's every you know every mopey teenager has to listen to that a million yes. times. So yes, yeah. yes, and I it's funny. I got into it because um, I had heard some Cure previously and liked some of the songs, but when it came out in '89. I think I think that's that's somewhere around sounds there. about right. Sounds about right. I was I was a big prog rock guy, and there are some songs on Disintegration, especially Close Down, mm-hmm. um, which is just like three minutes of music, one beautiful verse, and then another minute of music, which are very prog rock. Yes, and that, that that's why that's why I bought the album uh, because of that, and I, I just I, I adore that album. Now this has nothing to do with that. Although I'd like to think that the, maybe the band watched this episode and decided to name themselves the Cure after <laughs> it. Of course, if they'd watched like three episodes before, they would have been known as the Horse Race, <laughs> and would have been maybe far less iconic, right? In, in the light of sort of goth type um, stuff. Um, but we are. Um, I'm. I'm officially declaring us in the home stretch. This is episode twelve. Yeah. 
so, so after this, yeah, we only got we only got two left, and I think one of them, I could be lying, one of them may have aired strangely, like may have not aired or or something like that, or I forget. We'll we'll talk about that when we get to it. But this one definitely aired. I told you guys the air date. Where were you on that date? I think I was one. I was probably probably messing a diaper. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm, I what would have been maybe, right? I mean, I don't sorry everyone. Sorry. I, I took that took that in another direction. Um but let us um and let me just let me just start off with the first um credit we see and this is this is interesting to me. Guest stars Sandra Locke as Amy? Yep. Tell me about it, Amy. Tell me about this episode. Well, I'll tell you. Um, when I was younger, people told me that I looked like her. I never saw really? it myself, but more than one person huh. said that I looked like Sandra Locke. I can, I can, I can see that. I, I, I mean, I can't. Yeah. I am not a blonde. <laughs> no, no, you are not. No, you are not. No, you are not. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with blondes. I'm just not a blonde. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never see it, but I thought it was funny. I was like, oh, her name's Amy. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. Uh, uh, so um, I, I was, I, you know, I, I, I can, I can actually kind of see that a bit now. Not that I, you know, not that I'm going to get off the recording here with you and just, just put pictures of you next to pictures of her. And go, hmm, <laughs> yes, do like a facial identification, sort of CSI kind of thing. Oh, and it was um, when I was younger. It was probably when I was in my twenties, okay. and I thought that was weird because okay. I'm like, how do you people even know who Sandra Locke is? Because you know, she was um, not popular when I was in my twenties. She was popular when I was five. <laughs> yes, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. When I was, um, yeah, I, I, I remember her. Yeah, obviously all the Clint Eastwood movies. Yeah. Um, didn't she direct Rat Man? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like she directed Rat Man from the late '80s, but I, um, I, I should have looked. Why didn't I look up Sandra Locke? It's funny. My stepdad, rest in peace, Frank, um, was never a fan of hers. I don't know why. Um, one of the when we got our first Beta Player, circa '83 one of the first movies we got was Sudden Impact. And um, and when we were watching it, why were they letting me watch it? I was 10. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he he just got really mad when she was on the screen. I don't know why. Huh. I, I don't know. I mean, my favorite film of hers is Death Game with Colleen Camp and Seymour Cassell, which is just kind of nice and nutty from the late 70s. Um and she's, um, but here, the, yeah, this is obviously, this is Sandra Locke a few years before that, a younger Sandra Locke, although she looks the, the same. Yes. Um, uh, and she has that, um, she has that, she has that weird Sandra Locke thing where um, occasionally, like in the final scene with her and Verdon, um, they, they, she, they have her face lit up mm-hmm. almost like an angel. Yeah. And she's lovely. But then there are some other scenes where she's like. I don't know. She 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 kind of she kind of goes from being really lovely at times to being like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So, you know. You know. Not not. You know. Not that. You know. I'm um. I'm I'm the. You know. The king king hunk. But um. But but it's just weird because she. I, I I guess when I say I don't know, she has a bit of a weird look. Sometimes. Yeah. No. I, I can I can see that. And and occasionally. She and seemed occasionally, a little hysterical too. She's very. I feel hysterical. like she was like chewing some scenery in this. Yes, yes. Here's what I'll do this time. I'll I'll tell you what I think of the episode, then you you tell me what you think. We'll break it up. Got it. We'll shake it up since we're near the end. Um, I I mean the the the, epi- the episode is 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 kind of like a lot of the other episodes. Um, it's they they're someplace and there are a lot of apes who won't believe them, and in the end they're right, and then they leave. 
Um, but this one, I, um, I, th I thought this one had enough going on in it as opposed to the last one. Um, but this one does suffer a bit too much from apes having meetings syndrome, <laughs> which bothered me a bit. However, I do. One of the things I do like in this one is how angry, and this this strikes me as very um, American. How angry, like Urko, as the tough guy. You know, at one point he's like, "What? You have words. I have weapons." You know how angry Urko gets at the scientists who are just like, "Give us a few minutes." We can save everyone. No, burn them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's there's just kind of this, and and, and I kind of like that dynamic. Um, I the the actually this is one of those weird episodes where my favorite part of this episode is the opening ten to fifteen minutes when Galen and the guys have left the village and Galen really gets pissed. Yeah. At, uh, at Verdon there for for basically telling Amy Sandra Locke that we're from another world because she likes him and he likes her but he has to leave and then and just just Galen's face like really you know you you told her, I, I get why you told her and I, I don't think you did it out of malice but you put your life in, in on the line and, and you also risk our lives too yeah and so if, and he says and you can see that moment where Galen is like you know I've abandoned my race to follow you two guys and if you're going to get this reckless because of you know Clint Eastwood's girlfriend is <laughs> is on, on the lot then we got to rethink this and it doesn't go it doesn't go too deep they don't get in an argument they're very civil about it and Vernon is very um is very much uh, like yeah you know what I screwed up but it's it's funny because when when the actual cure part starts with the malaria and everything it's just basically a moving along until we get to the end with some good scenes and some scenes that feel like we've been here a bit before. And I didn't, I did dislike any of it. Certainly moves better than the last episode did. Um, but that, that opening, like that, that like 10 minutes of them talking, I thought was really nice. And I thought maybe we could develop something from here. Now I know we want more action than talking, but there is something about the lead characters actually, just sitting down and having a lovely chat that we don't normally get. And I like that. Um, and the rest of the episode, like I said, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, it's, it's not my favorite, but it, I think it has enough going on. And like Urko sort of storming the place where everyone has their torches. And you can just see how dry everything is. You're like, oh, you drop one of those torches. Everything's going to yeah. go up <laughs> in a second. And, and just the way like Urko is just like when he, he when the scientist is trying to give one of the sick apes the, the cure – and he like kicks the scientist in the chest when he goes by him on the horse. I mean, there are a couple of there are a couple of. I, I think it's a pretty solid episode. I, I like again again I wouldn't say it's the best because we need to get out of the darn this same like mile of space that we're in. We, we they keep like we said last time they keep seeming to go to the exact same space. We need to go back into the city. We need to go back to the water. We got to get out of the, you know, like we got to get out of the mash compound here. We got to go yeah. somewhere else. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and so after like, this is like the, th maybe the third episode in a row in this sort of space. And um, I'm getting tired of the space. And I'm getting tired too that they talk about like swamps and like fetid water area. And we don't go into those. Let's go into those. Yeah. I want to go into those. I want to go into the woods. I want some, some change. Um, but overall, overall, I like the episode, but I am getting tired 
of the fact that they just seem to be going in circles and nothing seems to be getting accomplished. Um, I'm glad they saved the village. And it is great to see that moment Urko is about to burn everything. And he says, your, your cure hasn't worked. And then I forget one of the apes or someone points and goes, no, you're wrong. And all of a sudden you see all the cured humans come out of the, um, the infirmary. And it's sort of like, that's a nice moment. And then the ape shows up who was cured also. And it hit him yelling at Urko, like, he doesn't care about any of you. He only cares about himself. And But then you know Urko will be back in the next episode doing the same crap. Yeah. So He never learns a lesson. Yes, exactly. So overall, I could have done without the apes having meeting scenes. I, I didn't really need those. And I, I don't – that the opening scenes where they're just talking calmly, arguing calmly with each other, I think is probably some of the nicest writing we've seen on the show. Um, but overall, I think it's fun, and I'll, uh, although there is one dumb thing with Sandra Locke's character that gets on my nerves, but I'll stop talking now. Amy, what did you think? <laughs> I can agree with a lot of your points. I think um, the beginning where uh, Galen is clearly fed up mm-hmm. was surprising because he's such a go-with-the-flow kind of chimp. It's like, <laughs> yes, you know, yes. really, for him to be angry with with Rodin was, like, surprising, And but I couldn't blame him at all Mm -hmm. um he had he had some good points so yeah i thought that was good and you're right we don't usually see like you just see them reacting to the situations they're in you don't see them having conversations it's kind of like when they were you know in the fishing village and they they have that jokey ending where they're like you know razzing each other and pushing each other in the water and stuff it's like you don't really see a lot of that um so that was nice it's like shows their um their camaraderie yeah 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 um, so I did enjoy that. Um, again, I know I say this in every episode, like seriously, like Burke and Verdon are like the smartest people ever because they're the ones like, here, we got to make quinine. You get it from this tree. You get it from the park. <laughs> and like telling the doctors this and then the doctors taking credit, obviously, which whatever, um, that made sense. Cause you can't say you got it from humans. Um, mm-hmm. but it's like. If they're smarter than the doctors, how seriously? How are how are they? Are are the apes evolving at all? Yes, they, they evolve exactly. to a certain point, and then they're like they can't see. Yeah, they can't see that this the the, the help they provided. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, and I I get your your point about um, apes sitting around talking. They did that. Um, which actually seems fairly realistic. If you have a, a health crisis, there's going to be a lot of people sitting around talking. That's yeah, true. This is true. This is true. This um, is true. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Sandra Locke's character, I didn't find her very endearing. I, I was kind of yeah. like, what's so great about her? You know, like why, yeah. why is uh, Vernon interested in her? They don't show that. They don't shoot. They just say, oh, he's been here a few weeks, so now he's they're 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 thing. So he has yes. to tell her everything. And it's like, okay, I get it. Um, mm-hmm. you got to kind of do these things. You can't watch two weeks of them courting, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I overall <laughs> liked the episode, especially compared to the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I, I, th- I think the, th- the one of the things I did like about it, too, was that um, uh, the, um, the way it does begin where it's, it seems like it begins at the end of an adventure. And then they leave and and go on their way. And then and then you and then when they leave the adventure you start to get flashbacks to 
you know, him talking to uh, Verdon talking to Amy and things like that. And it's sort of, and then they're, they're drawn back into the village. I, I kind of, I kind of like the plotting of that. The pro- the problem, like you said, is that Sandra Locke's character is, I don't know, I'd call her wet. I don't know exactly what that means, but she's <laughs> kind of like a flop. Yeah. She, she's kind of like, she, she, and, um, and, and we really do have to take his word, Verd's word for it. Why he's so um, head over heels right. for her? Um, I guess lack and, of options. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, possibly, possibly. Yeah. Um, the uh, and 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 I, I will say right now the thing the thing she does and, and this isn't her this isn't her fault this is in the script but it's that thing where everyone who has malaria they just shake a lot and sweat and then die. She, however, shakes, sweats, and says stuff like, "You're from another world." Yeah. I love you. Spills all You're the from secrets. another world. Yeah. She she literally in her in her like um, fever dream, she gives away everything about the plot of the whole show. Whereas everyone else when their when her dad's shaking and everything, not a word. Yep. <laughs> but for some reason she she's saying the whole plot. And I thought I don't like when you every that that either no one does that or everyone does that. And I thought wouldn't that have been fun if like the doctor guy walked in and just everyone was babbling. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then throughout it, he heard, just heard this one voice say, you're from another world, please. I love you. You're from another world, something like that. And he was like, what? And he honed in on one voice and maybe like as he listened to her, like the other voices in the room got quieter as hers got louder or something. Um, but it's um, – and I understand, you know, they were – you know, when they made this in 1974, again, as always, when during this show, and I've said this more times than there have been episodes, they didn't think there were going to be a bunch of jackasses talking about it like this, <laughs> you know, for 50 years later, however many years later. Yeah. You know, um, so, 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 but there is something about that, that the one woman who knows the secret of these th- two guys and, and Galen um, is the one who only one who happens to speak yeah. when she's infected with malaria. she got that new strain of malaria where you yes, exactly. constantly talk. <laughs> You're just gabbing. You just get, she's a, she's a chatter. She's a chatterbox. Yep. She, she really is. And when, when I will say when the episode begins uh, and Galen is explaining why he's mad, it, it you get a wobbly flashback to him talking, Verdon talking to, to Amy and I actually kind of thought they were going to do that for quite a bit of the episode. Maybe sort of relate, may, maybe like relate the adventure they just had mm-hmm. via flashbacks and tie it in with their discussion. Um, I don't know what that would have been. And that's abandoned after about five minutes. Right. But um, uh, but but I kind, of, I kind of like that they didn't... When, when she runs up and she says... You're from another world. I don't believe it. I, and you're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah. And and then and I thought, wow, they they don't normally do that kind of thing. I mean, apart from in mysteries, you know, or, or something like that, you know, where they're trying. But but they don't in an action show like this, they don't normally do stuff like that. Right. And that was kind of a nice little narrative sneak, a narrative hide, a stash, a narrative. I don't know. There's no name for it. A narrative. Whoop. <laughs> You know, put in your pocket. Put in your pocket, and we'll get some narrative out for you later on. Uh, so what? Um, what? What else about this episode? What else do you have? Let me scan, scan my notes. Um, I mean, Urko was particularly agitated in this episode. Like you mentioned, he's he's very angry. He's you know 
He's all about just yes. let's kill everybody. Let's, you know, yeah. burn it down. We don't need a cure. Who cares if the chimps get it or, you know, gorillas or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he starts, you know, when uh, Verdon sneaks the medicine to the one sick ape um, mm-hmm. and he freaks out and, like, you know, it's like, mm, you're really on a roll a, this time. You are really yeah, and, angry in this one. Yes, and Urko has has that moment where um, um, uh, where, where um, Zayas says something like, I've never seen you more afraid, Urko, than when you're when we're trying to talk reason to you or we're trying to get you to calm down for a minute. Yeah. And Urko says, no, 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 I'm afraid of you. Yeah, I, like, I, oh. I didn't know what that meant. Is he afraid of... I thought Zayas? I thought it was like he, he I, I I well I thought it was he yeah it was just the the way that because he says oh no we gotta wait again or something like that you know I think he he's a his thing is yeah it doesn't is it said in one episode something like I, I maybe it's the last episode where one of the guys gets mad at him where it's like you know if you can't shoot it or burn it you know you you're angry right or something they say something similar to that so I think it's very much like Urko has lived his life. With, if a human, if humans give them trouble, you you beat them, you shoot them, you burn them. You don't risk ape lives, right? Futzing around with all this, right? Maybe that's why he said he's afraid of him because he thinks you're going to let this that's... run rampant and infect all the apes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they don't. If just they, if they had a good one, one good book from a time capsule. That described malaria. I'm surprised. I'm surprised yeah. they do, with all the books they have. I'm surprised they don't have one that mentions malaria. Because right. because the, they they laugh at the the scientist guy there when he says it's called malaria. And like two episodes later, one of the gorillas is like, he has the shaking sickness. What what yeah. what are you from the 13th century? What are you we talking about the shaking sickness? What are you? Is this the dark ages? Are, you know, are you about to? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Burn a witch at a stake or something. Right. What, do, what do you mean? He has yeah, the shaking I sickness. I would this crowd. True. Yeah. No. That that could happen. That could happen. And then, I would love. Yeah, they're making fun oh, of him for being afraid of mosquitoes. Like you're afraid of mosquitoes. It's like yes. you know what? You really should be afraid of mosquitoes. You should. Yeah. What do you think they do? You know, really, really. I mean, I mean, you don't get. They don't. They. I'm sure. I mean, you guys are apes. You're so hairy. Yeah. I mean, guys, you, you guys must get fleas. Yeah, something. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, Ticks, you, you would something. think. And I just thought, wouldn't a great episode of television have been a Voyager's crossover with Planet of the Apes? Oh, man, that would maybe, be amazing. May, maybe we're, um, maybe we're, we're something like they set it for like a thousand years in the past but there's a glitch in the Omni. Maybe it gets struck by lightning, a la like Back to the Future 2. It gets struck by lightning as they're about to go, and they go like a thousand years in the future. You know, where he's not supposed, he's not supposed to go past like 1980 or whenever. Yeah. But su- suddenly he's like in, in ape, in the ape place. Oh, this needs to be written. Could you see? I mean, I, I bet some, some fan would have done that. That just seems like... That now that I said that, that seems like most obvious thing. Yeah, because you because you would have you would have you would have Bog there being a little bit, huh? What's going on? Why are there apes? And Jeffrey would get get it like immediately, right? And be be in it and and you know helping out. I I would hope it would be a slightly more interesting thing than malaria, but um, not that malaria is not you know I'm not putting down malaria, <laughs> no. folks. If you get malaria, get yourself get yourself some treatment. Yeah, <laughs> that's not uh, boring. <laughs> yes, that's not boring. Um, but I, I, um, 
I, I don't know. Now I suddenly love that idea. Yeah, me too. Of the, uh, the, Voyagers, <laughs> the Voyagers episode. Wow. And you could even do a two-parter maybe where they um, – at the end of the at the end of the episode, when they think everything's set, maybe one of the, maybe like Galen grabs one of them to ask him a question or something, and they all get sent back to like 1920 or something like that. And so Galen, much like in the Apes movies, they they actually go into our Earth and sort of ex- and you get an episode where he gets to experience our Earth. Oh, I'm loving this. Yeah. And they have to they have to they have to find and may, I mean. I, I hate to have it be like they elephant man him or, or put him in a cage or something like that because that seems kind of a trite yeah. idea. But I but I'd love something where maybe um, well they could put a hood over him or a veil over him, you know, or, or something. And um, but boy, I like this idea now. Yeah. Hmm. That's that's a two, that's the two parter for two shows that were a decade apart. That only lasted for about a season that we'll never see, <laughs> but we should. We should. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be awesome? Could you see that? It was like beep beep beep. We got to go to. I forget how far ahead is Planet of the Apes the show. It's it's said right oh, in the credits. It's, it's like three thousand something or something like okay, that. Okay, well we can ju- they can jump they can jump that far ahead too. Maybe the um maybe oh, let, let let me gonna uh, let me gonna let me gonna have a look. That makes sense, Dan. Well done. Let me just give me a second. We'll just pause for a second. I'll just have a sip of high C. And I'll just see when, because I'm watching the credits here as it's rolling forward. 30, 84. Okay. 30, 84. 85. Okay, so maybe, maybe something, well, why couldn't they go 2,000 years? In the, they've gone, they've gone 3,000 years. Yeah, they can go 3,000 years in the past. The Romans, is, I'm going to make that up. I, I don't know um, 1,000 BC who would have been there exactly. But there were humans so right am i full of crap no <laughs> i'm sorry suddenly i blanked on all my my history but but it could be something where they have to go back to like 1000 bc and as they're about to go back there um uh may, maybe they're they're in a rainstorm something like that and it gets struck by lightning and all of a sudden, like maybe the lights are all flashing and they go crazy and then suddenly they just go to 3085 and suddenly they're in the Planet of the Apes. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I like it. Gosh, you know, I like the episode The Cure, but suddenly I like this episode a lot more. And um, i got to stop talking about it because now I want to write it. <laughs> I want you to write it. I want I want to. And I, I kind of want to do it as a two-parter where you think it's over, and then the second part is them taking Galen back to the 1930s, the 1940s, and they get involved in some sort of adventure in like the U.S. or something. Yeah. Uh, or, I mean, we don't have to do that part. I'm just, I'm just saying that that if if we're going to do the first part, why not have Galen? Why not have Galen see the world that the guys came from? Yeah. Maybe they could go to 1980. Um, that Winter would Olympics be something. Or, or something. Yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, just just to see what it is, and they could keep him like with a uh, with a hood over him or something like that. Or, or... yeah, they can figure it out. They figure it out. Yeah. Um, uh, so so that's the cure, which is my story. No, no. What else do you have in the cure? Let's see if we got anything else in the cure. I'm sorry, I got I got so interested in um in, in that idea. Yeah, I, I I'm just as interested. <laughs> uh, so let's see the cure. Um, yeah, um, I don't see much else that I want to say. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, I think it's, um, it's, 
I, th- I think it's a it's a it's I think it's a good episode. I like uh, like I said, I like that it starts off with them having their calm argument and then goes into the story <laughs> because that means that the actual story doesn't have to take up the whole fifty minutes. The actual story doesn't kick in until they sort of arrive, which is maybe like twelve or thirteen minutes in, which means there, there's less chance of it possibly running out of steam. Right. And I, I think it works, and it's nice to see them win the day. I do also like that the scientist is actually going to turn them in after all they've done at the end. Yeah, and then he's pretty easily persuaded not to. But I, I, that's good too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's one of those things where he's as as an as an ape. Um, he he feels obligated to turn them in, but as a scientist, and from what he's learned from them. He's like, no, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. So, and they let him go, uh, which mainly m- means them sneaking off in the middle of the night again. Where are they going? As far as I know, they're going up over the nearest hill <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and going to have an adventure right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I guess if we're um, if, if we're, so we're we're getting there, we're at the next episode is the penultimate one. Yep. So we will see what it does. I don't know the name of it. I know one of the. The last, what, four or five have all been the somethings. Yes. yes. But I know one of the ones coming up has a more poetic title, um, which which is lovely. We'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. So, um, so Amy, what, uh, what, what up? Where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Amy underscore the underscore conqueror. Excellent. All right. Well, I got to get to work on my um, Voyager's Plan of the Apes crossover. Yes. Which uh, <laughs> which will span the decades. Wouldn't that be funny? It's, it's, it's a way, if I could get that created, like someone in 1974 would watch an episode of a crossover with a show that hadn't been created yet, <laughs> and someone would watch the episode of Voyagers and go, "Didn't that show get canceled eight years ago?" <laughs> hmm. But it'll be great. It'll be great, folks. So, and maybe maybe it'll, do, it'll be a two-hour one. But I like the cliffhanger. Of them going back with like Galen ha- and where you, where you like see Galen grab his shoulder right as they go, and the last shot of the episode is that gr- is that shot of all the like the big like um, layers of time or whatever, yep. and you see the two of them flying towards the camera, and then right as they get close to the camera, like Galen suddenly pops up from behind them, going whoa, <laughs> and they hit the camera, everything goes to black, and you see to be continued. I mean, you got this. I mean, this, is, it this itself, has to be done almost. Yeah. <laughs> itself. I want to see a treatment so, uh, next time I uh, uh, next time next next time I will have something resembling a treatment, and um, and uh, so 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 now we'll stop this so I can get to writing and we will go on to this. Check. 
Episode 5, The Werewolf, directed by Alan Barron, November 1st, 1974, written by David Chase, Paul Playden. In this one, uh, it's Christmas time in Chicago and very snowy, and um, Tony is supposed to go on a singles cruise, leaving, I think, out of Los Angeles or something like that. Uh, but he gets, um, no, no, he gets called away to do other stuff, so Carl goes instead, and he um, is on this cruise um, trying to. I don't know what he's up to, trying to have a good time or whatever, when he discovers there's a werewolf on board. So he has to deal with all these swinging singles and a werewolf. Uh, and uh, Tim and I are chatting about it right after this. The werewolf. I always like it when they use the at the beginning. They're not fooling around. This is the werewolf episode. If the show had gone out for seasons, I think there would have been probably more werewolf episodes, but this is, as it stands, the definitive Kolchak the Night Stalker werewolf episode, and I'm here to discuss it with the great Tim S. Turner. Tim, how are you? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, uh, yeah, another, uh, I thought, a fairly solid uh, episode. Not not a great cool. episode, but... Oh, uh, interesting, okay. Yeah, I thought it was fairly solid. Mm-hmm. Well, um, let, actually, actually, it's funny because, <coughs> pardon me, I, um, when I first watched this episode a long time ago, all the swinger stuff yes. kind of got in my way. <laughs> the more I watch it, the more I like that yes. stuff. <laughs> I, I don't know why it's Dick, Dick Gautier and, oh, um. Oh, my God. Um, uh, oh gosh. Oh, I'm forgetting your name. Lusty Weathers from Bourbon Street Beat. We all know Nita Talbot. Nita Talbot. Yes, yes. And they're so good. And uh, it's actually funny. I, I quite like this episode. I, I think um, I, uh, I, the, the only thing that lets me down is I never really think that the boat is moving. Oh, well, yeah, they don't really give you that impression at all. Yeah, yeah I mean, here, here, I mean, normally if, you know, you, you, we know the boats. It's it's like it's like around this time there's a Doctor Who story called Carnival of Monsters. Yes. Where where they're on a on a boat or a ship a ship. And um, that wasn't moving. That was at a dock. I think it was going to be um, the it was going to be dismantled or something. Um, and yet in Carnival of Monsters, I somehow always get the feeling that the boat is moving or the ship is moving. Whereas in this, like when Kolchak is running around or people are dancing or the werewolf is attacking people, it I, ne- I never I never believe that it's moving. It always it always just feels like it's sitting at the dock. Yes, which is a little tr- which is a little tricky because we should have something whether or not it's the camera moving slightly, or or someone just you know like moving a little weird when they're walking. There's and that's that's um that's I mean the episode starts off with snow and Christmas, and yes. then it goes into it goes into a swingers cruise with uh, Victor Newman from Young and the Restless as a, as a werewolf. I was gonna say this. This has got to be a, a favorite of Amanda's, right? Yeah, I, I would bet it is. I think <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah. She was probably angling to get the commentary on this one, but uh, oh, I, I, I bet. don't think she did. I, I, yeah, this was this was this was, um, this was probably a highly prized one for the Blu-ray set. Um, yeah, I um, I, I actually I, I I always love a, a werewolf story, and I think this is a pretty good one. Um, and the uh, the scene where he kills the two couples at the pool. Yes, I think it's a really like like when he throws the woman on the slide and there's no water in the pool, 
So she like goes off the slide just and she just she just drops onto the concrete and he throws the one guy into the scaffolding which all collapses. Now maybe when he throws the second woman and she becomes like a, a dummy halfway through, <laughs> that isn't as convincing. But they're not going to throw a woman like that. So I, I I bought it and I also worked into the theory that if this was 1974. Um, your TV wouldn't have been as big as mine, nor would it have had sure. as much resolution. Nor would have had as much resolution as mine. So there's every good chance when the body gets thrown, it, it, you may not have said like I did. Oh, look, it's a dummy. <laughs> well, I will say with this episode, um, I, I think this might be the episode that suffers the most when they the the, the Blu-ray comes out because. Uh, as much as I did enjoy a lot of this episode, the mm. the werewolf makeup is abysmal. It's it's tricky. It's yeah. terrible. He he looks like uh, a, a dark brown Bichon Frise. Mm, mm-hmm. That's what he looks like. Yes, and, yes, And they yes. make the fatal mistake of showing extreme close up in bright light. Yes, and I'm thinking, yeah. I, I remember when I was watching it on my TV, and, 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 and you know as well as I do, the Blu-ray that Universal put out, the prints are garbage. They're, they're, they're oh, so yeah, yeah, dark yeah, and yeah, terrible yeah, yeah, yeah. and grainy. And, and and you put it on a 65-inch TV, and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> that yeah, it's bad. not great. Yeah. You know? it's, it, uh, and this is around the time of Paul Nash's werewolf films. I was just going to say that, yeah. Oh, okay, please. Yeah, please. Oh, no, no I, I was just going to say, I mean, Paul Nash, for the most part, uh, his makeups for – uh, when he's uh, the werewolf, uh, are, look pretty good. Mm-hmm. And this occasionally there's a stinker, but yeah, yeah, it's it's unfortunate because um, when he's at a distance, it's fine. Yeah, but there's there's a commercial break where he rushes the um, not the porter, I forget what you call the, the the guy, the guy who gets the silver for Kolchak and stuff. Oh right, the, but. Where, where they freeze frame on his face. It's slightly out of yeah. focus, but it still looks like a guy like wearing a dog mask. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> when you look at it, too, all you see, it looks like he's sticking his tongue out. It does look a little like he's sticking his tongue out. Yes, yeah. it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> but That's unfortunate, it, uh, yeah. You know, regardless, but regardless I mean, uh, uh, of the, the, the crappy makeup, uh, I, I do think it's a solid episode. Again, we, we get out of Chicago. Yes, which is which is great. So I mean, granted, Carl has th- this this ship probably has the biggest staterooms I've ever seen on a cruise ship ever. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a, like a, somebody's master bedroom is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I did love the way they did the opening with the newspaper articles. Uh, yes, that was great. It was a real Actually, change that of pace. Was really good, yeah. And it really added to the kind of yeah. documentary feel of it. It reminded me of the beginning of the Boogans. Yes. Where you see where yeah. you see all this stuff of like this mine closing down and just keep seeing all these headlines and stuff. And that yeah, that was like that was kind of a surprising thing because that was before Carl got that info. We we kind of well, Carl tells us about the info, but then he learns about it later. Right, and so we're we're kind of we're, we're it, it does that thing where we get Carl at the end where he's talking, but but the the it's 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 I think that's really nicely done because it adds a bit of because it's like a whole family gets killed by a wolf. It's like what? Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a really nice moment. Yeah, yeah, I think they did a great job with that. It, uh, and also, you know, I guess we have to savor that this is 
the Christmas episode for for Kolshak, although really it's yes. only relegated to the first five minutes. Um, mm-hmm. So you get Tony as Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With his fake beard and everything. And, uh, so, and, and of course... Something poor Tony. This is his first vacation in seven years. Oh yeah. And something falls through, and he has you know. So he's got to pawn off his tickets, and he tries mm-hmm. to give it to Uptight or Updike. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> of course, Carl somehow manages to weasel the tickets himself. So this is actually probably the first time where he's not after a story. Yeah. He's just on a cruise, and it just happens to happen with this this uh, this werewolf guy. Who, by the way. When I first saw this, I thought that his name was Hugo Stiglitz. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's Bernhardt. Yeah, yes, Stiglitz. yes, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, uh, Eric Braden, you know, the funny thing is, is he gets a lot of, uh, when people talk about this, he's one of those guest stars that people talk about a lot. Really, he gets like five minutes of footage because the rest of it's yeah. got to be a stuntman. I would, uh, yeah, definitely some of the leaps and things like that. I don't. Because um, he doesn't, yeah. uh, have a lot of dialogue. Um, mm-hmm. You know, except for when he's talking to, I think, the porter or the, something. And he has a scene with the doctor. He's the doctor. About, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, and that's about it. But um, mm-hmm. I, I have to say, I was watching, it and I think, uh, <laughs> I think my neighbors heard me laugh so loud when Dick Codier comes in. And he's got this Hawaiian shirt that's unbuttoned yes. down with navel and, and a gigantic key uh-huh. on a necklace. <laughs> yeah, and he's got his big name tag on. Yeah. And it's like, you just think, Jaime, what what happened? What did Max do to you that made you? <laughs> he's got these plaid slacks, and it, he, he looks like Herb Tarlock on vacation. Yes, he, he's, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, it's. It's it's fun. Yeah, his the 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 first time I saw this episode and he comes out of the bathroom and he's yeah. got the, the thing on. I'm like, um, this is. Um, I wasn't thrilled, but now <laughs> now because like I know like a year later he's going to be Robin Hood on when things were rotten, right? Which is a pretty fun show. And of course, obviously he was Jaime, who's a character who I adore. Yes, like smart. <laughs> and and there there I like there there he and and the woman he's with his ex wife and I'm sorry I forgot the actress's name. Oh, uh, Jackie they, Russell. Yes, they're really going for it. Oh yeah, they're, they are. They are really having a good time. Throw it in the swinger pile. Need need a um, need need a Talbot's character. She's a little more restrained. Like maybe she didn't quite understand what kind of cruise she was getting into. But I love that she is willing to join Carl. Just just like almost to feel like maybe she's been on a few of these. They yeah. haven't gone that great, and now she's met this weird guy who thinks there's a werewolf there. She seems to so really she, be into Carl. Yeah, she really does, and that's the the thing that, like, the the werewolf makeup. I've seen plenty of bad werewolf makeup in my life. Sure, that I, I was disappointed when it wasn't good here because I know how. Knowing how iconic the show is, now they didn't know that, of course, when they were making it. Right. But knowing how iconic the show is now and how well they did with the vampire, how creepy the zombie was, even how great Jack the Ripper was, you know, and Mr. Night Strangler, the werewolf is a bit of a, um, we should have spent maybe another hour working on the makeup or four. Or maybe a little more money. Yeah, a little bit extra cash, you know, on it. I mean, and, and the thing about, it, like, I, I don't know if they, you know, if they rented this boat that was at a dock somewhere in Long Beach or something, 
you know, for like a week. Yeah. And shot, shot it on the boat. They could, they could have, I, I, yeah, they should have, they should have, um, you know, I, I don't know what Eric Braden demanded cash wise, but they should give him a little bit less and put a little bit more into the werewolf makeup. Was he on Young and the Restless at this point? No, he started in the early '80s. Okay, I believe. Okay, so so he was he was like right around here. He's in Codename Diamond Head. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Where he he's what? And if you ever seen the MST episode, yes. they spend the whole time going, "Oh, it's that guy." Yeah. Who's that guy? Oh, look that guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Lovejoy. <laughs> Lovejoy. Lovejoy. Yes, <laughs> it's a great episode. Great mm-hmm. episode. Um, yeah. Uh, it's it's I I, I I like I. It's the thing. The, one of the things that this episode does that I, that I don't I don't know if I like per se, but it was as much of a relief as watching the third episode of X-Files, Tombs, was. Mm-hmm. Where the, the first two episodes of the X-Files are, we saw stuff, no one believes us. At the end of Tombs, they catch him and lock him up. And you just get this big heave of relief where it's like, okay, it's not going to be episode after episode of, we saw all this crazy stuff, and now no one believes us. There are going to be things that people believe, and some things that people don't. This one has the Kolchak version of this, where Kolchak saves the day, and there's nobody there. Yeah. So that means there's no one to come up to him and say, did you just knock a guy over the railing of the ship? Did you just do this? There's nobody there. He saves the lives of who knows how many people on the ship, and just goes about his business. Well, it's interesting, because he he goes to all this trouble to uh, to melt down silver... Yes. So he can have a silver bullet, and he shoots him several times in the chest, mm-hmm. and he just keeps coming, which is yeah. which was odd. And then they dispose of him in the same manner, uh, kind of as they did in Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, where he just like oh exactly flies yeah. off yeah. into the water, which mm-hmm. I don't know if he. Can can a werewolf drown? I don't know. I was hey hey I've I've seen you know Abbott Costello me Frankenstein is the film I own most on Blu-ray because of the un, the un, I adore it because of the Universal Collection sets right so it's on the Frankenstein set the werewolf set and the dragon set so I own it three times <laughs> and if I pick up that big Abbott Costello set they put out last year I'll own it four times um, but I was always when I was a kid I was always confused by that moment it it was all it's pretty it's spectacular. It's well done, yeah. It, and and just just spoiler, everyone who hasn't seen Abbott Costello meets Frankenstein, the Wolfman is chasing Dracula. They go out into the balcony at the top of Dracula's castle, which is at the top of a huge mountain, which is at the bottom is a huge raging sea. And and as Dracula's trying to fly away as the bat, the werewolf leaps on top of him, and basically they plummet into the sea far below and are dead. Apparently, and I was—I don't know if I'm still 100% convinced that that would kill either a werewolf or a vampire. I mean, they—they mention like the whole thing of running water with vampires, and I don't know. Running does, water, of course. But the, but does an ocean count as running water, though? That's the trick. Yeah, that's stream. the tricky thing. Yes. Yeah, it's meant to be like in in Dracula, what is risen from the grave, where Christopher Lee right. falls between ice. the ice. Yes. That's specifically like a flowing river. I like still. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I, I, yeah, that's that's the thing with this is the werewolf falls into the water. So I, I mean, if they're in the middle of the ocean, I don't know where they are. 
precisely. Right. But I mean, I, I I would like to think that even if the, if the, even if the so maybe. I mean, the Valdemar Daninsky, Paul Nashy stuff is that it has to be shot by someone who loves them. Mm. Maybe maybe the silver and the prayer wasn't quite enough. And maybe the plummet into the water. I mean, if... if if I mean, that's a hell of a way for... I mean, and if you think about it, too, if he, if he gets shot, he falls in the water, then, like, five hours later, the sun comes up. He's going to be a human being, wounded in the middle of the ocean. So he's not going to make it back, I would think. Unless he winds up on an island, and that's a movie called Werewolf Island, which Tim and I are now writing. <laughs> I, I am 100% behind that. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the, the, the great thing about having him fall off the boat as the boat's shooting along, apparently, um, is that... Kolchak doesn't have to. I mean, there's, there's. I, I kind of like the stuff with him and the captain in this. And you, the next thing you're going to do is stop pretending that you're my son. Well, I don't know. I thought there was a bit of a resemblance. I, I like that. Oh, Henry Kolchak Jones. Is, yeah, it's Kolchak. Kolchak is just going really silly in this yeah. episode when he's doing <laughs> that stuff. Um. Yeah. You know. Uh. They. That. That was one thing. Uh. I like. I think we've discussed before that that this series did really well. Was really great getting great character actors and. Yes. I love Henry Jones and. Uh, I mean, he doesn't get as much screen time as I would like, but uh, he he is in it. And I love Nita Talbot. I, there's something yes. so sexy about her. I don't know what yes. it is. Uh. Mm-hmm. But she always plays characters that are, are so interesting. Mm-hmm. Whenever I've seen her, I haven't seen her in a lot. But um, I think she's a great character here, and I, I I actually I would have liked it if they had made her a regular, that, like his girlfriend, you know. I would have liked that too. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. she, you know, you can tell that she uh, she's attracted to him, but she also thinks you knows that he's full of it. A lot yes. of the time, that he bs's his way through things. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that would have been kind of a fun little element to have in the show. That would have been that would have been great. I mean, that could have been a second season thing where exactly. maybe he's in Chicago or something, he and then she appears. Again. Yeah, because um, she's. I mean, she is. She's Lusty Weathers in Bourbon Street Beat. By the way, Lusty, what a great name. <laughs> yes, yes. L- Lusty was only Lusty is. Cal's girlfriend, yes. and she's a burlesque dancer. She's only in about four episodes, and unfortunately, during the last quarter of Bourbon Street Beats one season, when it goes to the W Hermanos episodes, uh, yes. she's completely gone. But like the three or four episodes she's in, are she's so good in them, and she's just sexy as like, wow, and she just she's almost casually sexy. Yeah. Like, you know, she's just, hey, and you're like, oh, and, and it's just like, ooh, you know, it's just like, it's just, like, oh, Cal, Cal, you know, Rex gets some good looking ladies in that, but he don't get no lusty weathers. Yeah. So, uh-huh. uh, I want to watch Bourbon Street Beat again. I ha- I, to be honest, I have not watched Bourbon Street Beat since Mitchell and I stopped talking about it about two years ago. Why are so, they on all... video? They should be. Yeah. I mean, they're Warner Brothers. You, you would think. You would think that would have been something they would have started with Seventy Seven Sunset Strip, and gone from there because they were um, they were all up on not all of them, but they were up on Warner Archive Instant right for like the last year that was it. That's where I first saw all of them except Bourbon Street Beat. Um, but uh, you you would think they would do something with those. I mean, because there are still um, you know, we're getting older, but there are still people who love 
um, those shows. And you, you would think that would be a that would be a, like a kick-ass series to have released, like like done those. But um, uh, but okay, so Nita Tell yeah, she's awesome. And um, I um, the the thing with the episode that um, that I don't like, but I understand it because it fits in with all the others. Is that the moment the werewolf is killed or sentenced to the depths? You get Carl's little spiel about what happened afterwards. Then you get him sitting waiting for a cab, talking into his recorder, and it's over. Oh yeah, it's see. very abrupt. It's very yeah, and, and it's like in the previous episodes. Well, like in in the vampire, you're kind of like, what happened to Ms. Kruger? You know, and, and stuff like that. But in this one, just because he spends more time with the people, yeah. you're kind of like, hey, what happened to them? I want to see Dick Gaudier in one, one more awesome outfit. I want to see I want to see him saying goodbye to Nita and maybe getting her number. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and by yeah. the way, uh, uh, Dick Gaudier's character, does he get killed or not? Because there's a scene where the, the, the werewolf comes into, like, uh, one of the swinger parties or something, and you see the camera focuses on a dead body on the ground wearing what oh. looks like like one of his like really obnoxious shirts, but I can't tell because <laughs> they don't show the face. I never thought he was, but um, I I don't know. I don't know. We're gonna leave that one open, folks. Because it sure seems like I one. mean, like half the, the the passengers get wiped out in this in this movie. Yes, it's a pretty high yeah, body count, really. Yeah, it's a crazy it's a crazy body count. And the, and the interesting thing is like when the werewolf kills them, most of the time he's like throwing them around and off of things. Right, he doesn't do things. a lot of gnashy throat biting. He, yes, he doesn't do the throat biting. So so you wonder like at the end, like Carl mentions, like this number of people were attacked and killed and things. You think how many of those are um, right werewolves that are gonna you know that are you know maybe in the in the next season there'll be a you know an episode where you know they're taking apart the boat. And all of a sudden, like werewolves just come out of the like a whole army the, of them. The depth, like yeah, like they, the, yeah, something like oh, that. That's amazing. a good one. To write that down. Write that down. <laughs> um, and um, but yeah, um, so so what else do you have in this? I'm gonna do a scan of my notes. Um, um, well, you know, the one thing that I that I noticed, and I don't know if you picked up on this, but it really, I had to stop and rewind it. There's a point uh, during one of the uh, the werewolf stalking scenes and it's about three quarters of the way into the episode and they uh, uh, steal a, a chunk of the score from uh, Lucio Fulci's zombie really yeah it's that you know that uh-huh. it's like that yeah. thing. I mean, it's right there and it's so blatant but it can't be, but the, here's the thing it can't be because it's five years before yes exactly <laughs> talking about but it sounds yeah, no, exactly that's... the same no I have noticed this one this episode and the next one have some little synthesizer yeah, bits yeah 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 I think it's that film oh stuff, gosh right? yeah yeah oh I'll have to I'll have to look at that I'll have to look at it again I did not notice that okay that's awesome though That I would love that if there was some sort of time thing going around well they did the zombie episode maybe who knows <laughs> well it's so weird because it, it kind of stands out from the rest of the episode as far as the score goes because it mm-hmm. they do have certain you know uh chunks of music that they tend to use over and over again 
Oh, sure, yeah. And this one, all of a sudden, it, it really stands out. It, it's right there. And, you know, I know in my head that this took place before Zombie was even made, yeah. but uh, or Zombie Flesh Eaters to our British friends. Um, but it sounds so much like it. I was like, oh, my God. It's like uh, somebody went uh, in, in a time machine to the future – Saw, yes. them, saw it, uh, recorded it, and, and, f- and, and uh, said, <laughs> they'll never know. And, uh, uh, is it Fa- Fabio Fritzi, I think? Yes. Was he, uh, did he do the – yes, uh, yes. So okay. uh, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe the doctor yeah. him steal the score. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm. I don't know. That would be some – but no, that's – I'm going to have to uh, – I, I did not notice that. I, I did notice like some 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 more, uh, bit of synthy stuff yes. in here. Um but uh, yeah, I did not. Uh, I did not notice that. But that's awesome. Um, uh, let me. Uh, I'm just gonna scan my notes. You know, I don't have much else on this episode. I mean, if you can, if you can just uh, you know focus on the werewolf in long shots and not look at his face, I think you got a pretty solid episode. And if if you can remember that you're on a boat that because you do get occasional shots of you know a boat going through the water. And everything, right. you know, to establish it. But it's just like during scenes when like Kolchak is running around, like when he's hunting down the werewolf in the end, there's no, it, it, in no way, shape, or form does it feel like the, the ship is moving. No. I mean, you can tell that it wasn't, the interiors were, were filmed on a soundstage. It, it's not like, um, since we already brought it up once, it's not like uh, uh, the Columbo episode, Troubled Waters. That was filmed on a Princess Cruise, yes. And yeah. you, you can see because you see Peter Falk kind of stumbling left to right when he's walking yes. down any of the corridors and stuff, and uh, the extreme wind that, that really messed with their their sound when they were outside on the deck and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't get any of that in this. You can clearly tell that anything that's inside or even out on the deck at nighttime is is a soundstage. You know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. It's a. Uh, uh... And it it doesn't it, it it's actually something I, I didn't notice until I'd watch it a few times. So if you if you all are are listening here, going, I can't wait to watch this episode. Thanks for ruining it, you guys. <laughs> no, uh, um, but if you're going to watch the episode, you, you may not even notice it. You may. I mean, here's the thing: it's directed by Alan Barron, who not only directed, of course, Blast of Silence, but probably more segments of the Love Boat than anyone. Oh yeah. So 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 you know, um, I don't. I, I, I'm trying to think of the love boat. I don't even know if I can tell if the love boat is moving when they're out of the water. Does it matter? It's called the love boat. We know we're on a boat. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I mean, all I can think of with the love boat is all the all the moments when people will be like leaning against the railing, and you'll get the rear screen of the sure. like nighttime. This and you know that's not real, but you you go for it. You know you 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 know you let it ride. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's see. Yeah, I yeah I guess so overall. I like the episode more than you did, but that's because I like the fashions. No, um, that, that's I, I, um, I, I, I like them. I in this one, I think because they it doesn't end with uh, they threw me in irons for the rest of the cruise because I killed this man. Now the the fact that it ends with the the way it ends um, makes it a little more fun for me, and I think Carl's having fun. I think that's the thing sort of with Carl in this is that like. He's having fun, pretending to be the captain's son, sneaking around the captain's cabin. What are you doing in here? Uh, you know, and um, and and going after the um, 
you know, wandering around the deck with a shotgun filled yeah. with silver bullets, you know, and 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 I think I think I think the thing that there hits a point where you know Carl starts off as a journalist and then he's just having fun, and I think and I think the fact that he gets to dance with Nita Talbot a bit and he gets to hang out, you know, share a room with Dick, is is just is fun. So I think um, I'm glad this episode was here, although the episode may have worked better slightly later in the season after we got more Chicago episodes. It might have worked better just to break it up, but I'm I'm glad uh, I'm glad it is where it is, and I, I think it's a I think it's a it's a, it's a solid episode. And I always like a werewolf. So what, what anything else on this one, Tim? No, I think uh, I think that used up my notes there. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So um so where uh, where can we find you online, or what's going on? Well, uh, me and my co-host Kelly Hogaboom host. Uh, hey. Uh, Beauty the Beast and the Bees, uh, a bee film and genre film podcast. And, uh, you know, we're all over Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. Uh, And uh, I think around the time this episode is released, uh, we're reviewing The Dark and the Wicked, Revenge, and that 80s classic that uh, I think uh, people will enjoy, uh, The Stepfather with Terry O'Quinn. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you again. And next up, now, well, next up, we're going to go a little different. We're going to go, well, not that different. It's still going to be evil things happening, but it's not. Um, uh, it's a, well, I'm going to shut up. Listen to this. And that was episode 113, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it. Ah, it's nice to get to the end of an episode, huh? It feels like, um, feels like you accomplished something. And I, I hope, uh, I hope it's been a good time. Where where are we? Where am I? Where online? What are we doing? At at e supertrain one on Twitter, eventually supertrain on Facebook, uh, eventually supertrain blogspot dot com is the website. Uh, Danny Slacks S A L C K S and D A N N Y at yahoo dot com is where you can email me. And um, yeah, and that's about it really. Next time we come up, we'll have another. Um, Another fun search. Uh, we'll be almost at the end of Planet of the Apes. And yeah, more crazy supernatural monster stuff over on Kolchak. So thank you everyone so much for listening. And I'm just going to, the episode's run a little long. I'm just going to dive right into the closing music. And we will talk to you next time. <laughs>